untitled Beatles podcast. Well, also in May, we covered this. Uh, we had a, dedicated a whole episode to this, but the first like real Beatles documentary, The Complete Beatles, came out in May of 1982. It was a PBS documentary. And uh, yeah, we gave this we gave this thing all the praise last year when we covered it. And uh, go check that episode out. I don't know which episode it is, but it's Complete Beatles spelled C-O-M-P-L-E-A-T. The British spelling? <laughs> Possibly. It was, it was, uh, well, you got to listen. We, we looked it up back then. It was a reference to some like uh, the complete fishing guide or something like That's that. That came right. out in like the 1800s or something like that. So now you'll notice that it's not spelled complete Beatles normally. They spell complete like the Beatles spelled Beatles. It's C-O-M-P-L-E-A-T, which is also titled in the spirit of the complete angler, which was England's definitive book on fishing from the year 1653. And what do they always say? You can't have an angler without your dangler. <laughs> but it's also how the Beatles spell Beatles, you know? So that's how I always read it. Yeah, and they use the drop T, which yeah. now you can't do without paying the rights for it. <laughs> that yeah. is trademarked. And I know we're not going to get into it now because we did a whole episode on it, but I will say if you haven't heard it or if you're kind of newer to the Beatles world, forgive me to those who understand this, but Complete Beatles, I cannot overstate what that meant to Beatles fans before the anthology came out and certainly through the 80s with that on home video. That was the only somewhat authorized in terms of the fact that even though they weren't involved, their music was used. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like sound alike. And they were no. very important people interviewed, although it wasn't the, the four Beatles themselves. That was the most important part of my Beatle learning as a kid was studying that videotape until anthology obliterated it. Yeah. Until basically Paul McCartney took every last one of them off the shelves. So Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Paul, Paul, Paul would take the uh, the New World tour bus around to various blockbusters. <laughs> that's why I did the Live in Charlotte show on Fox from the Blockbuster Pavilion. <laughs> he was rounding up copies of the Complete Beatles. <laughs> yeah. Hey, McGear, can you... Go Run down to Roanoke and see what they got left. <laughs> why, why, why did Paul send drummer Blair Cunningham to the Charleston blockbuster on an off day? In October of 82, TJ, the Beatles had two kind of greatest hits things, or at least collections, I should say, posthumous collections released. On the first, Victor Company of Japan released half-speed mastered versions of the Beatles LP catalog. You could buy it as a box set. It was called the Beatles Collection. And people were loving it at the time. Uh, and it sold out fairly quickly, and they had to repress it again, I think, three years later. But uh, do you have any of these? I have a half-speed mastered British help that is lovely. It's the only one I have. With, like, the blue strip on top with the italicized... Oh, is that half speed? Or that just might be the original. Ma That's a mobile fidelity. That's not half speed, I don't think. Oh, okay. But yeah, there's a whole the the box of this apparently is beautiful. Except as as you pointed out when you we were talking about this, the Magic Mystery Tour is sourced from the Capital Submasters, so it defeats the who wants half speed Submasters. <laughs> <laughs> What's the point? That's like a digitally remastered cassette. <laughs> And I know everyone walking around listening to music, every time they hear a, a sub-speeded half-master, I see people blowing their tops like in society because they are listening to a sub-speed half-master. Is that what we're talking about? It's a sub-master at half-speed. Aye-aye, Captain. Rocky aye-aye. Um, Rocky aye-aye-aye. I should say... With this whole Beatles collection, though, great. You just threw down like a couple hundred bucks or however much it cost back then. But you get no singles, there's no EPs, and there's no like random tracks, you know, because past masters hadn't happened yet. So, right. you know, there's no I Want to Hold Your Hand. There's no She Loves You. There's no Day Tripper, etc. you know. Real Beatle fans don't need the singles. No Hey Jude. <laughs> Sorry, not on an album. Don't need it. For all you Hey Jude lovers out there, also released... That's me! <laughs> uh, 
Well, I'm a, I'm a Hey Jude lover as well, especially the U.S. version of the Beatles' 20 Greatest Hits, where you get the rare five-minute and nine-second version of Hey Jude. <laughs> now, I listened to this again today because I couldn't tell if they edited it or just faded it at like the 518 mark. I would think they faded it at early. They faded it early. <laughs> They should have A-tracked it on record, faded it back <laughs> they, in, they pulled should. a helter sk- a stereo helter-skelter. <laughs> they totally should have. This was released uh, October 11th in the U.S. and on the 18th in the U.K. The Beatles' 20 greatest hits. There are discrepancies. A bunch of them. Yeah. yeah. The, the U.S. version has like no From Me to You and Penny Lane is somewhere else and blah, blah, blah. The American one and the British one, the British one has the titles on the top. The American one doesn't. On the cover, yeah. On the cover. And it's so fucking weird because Hey Jude is on the British one, but it's the regular full-length version. Yes. I will say in defense of the American release, the cassette version had the full Hey Jude. So if you had 20 greatest hits on cassette, you didn't get that rare five-minute nine version that us collectors prefer. That we have to have. <laughs> I fade it out regardless. If I'm listening to Past Masters 2, <laughs> I just press stop. I'd even do a fade. Yeah, I know exactly where that five-minute nine mark <laughs> comes in. Tony, this album, especially this was, what, five months after Real Music? Yeah. There's a bunch of this, Can't Buy Me, Love is repeated, A Hard Day's Night is repeated, Ticket to Ride is repeated, Help is repeated, Get Back's repeated. I mean, this was Capital being too egregious even for Capital. And this, even real music got to 19. This thing, I think, eventually went gold, but this was not a big selling release. In fact, 19 years later, when they released, or uh, 18 years later, when they released Beatles 1, Capital had legitimately no idea it was going to be that big of a hit. It was the biggest selling album of the year 2000 Beatles one was. And partially because 20 greatest hits was such a dismal seller for EMI worldwide. Nobody saw the success of Beatles one coming. You know, it's not a compilation. I mean, I owned it, but I never really listened to Beatles one because at the time when I'm what, 26, 27 years old? Like, I've got everything else. What am I going to listen to this new compilation for? I'll do Red and Blue if I want Greatest Hits. But I yeah. think, Tony, for at least a generation, Beatles 1 was like a major moment in third-generation Beatle history. Well, you know what I say, TJ. Greatest Hits albums are for housewives and little girls. Well, I heard a record of theirs last night at a party. Yeah. And I've always liked Lover Madly. Well, if you become a Doors fan, Lover Madly is the only song you won't like. All right. I guess I should start with their greatest hits. Hey, greatest hits albums are for housewives and little girls. You're not serious. You don't want to be a Doors fan. Get out of my store. We're closed. Get out of no, here. No, 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 no. I want you to show me the way. Was that a Frampton reference in my store? Yeah, full disclosure, I never bought this record because I already, like I said, I already had the red and blue, and to me, those were more curated. And uh, yeah. I was joking about Housewives and Little Girls. That is a Bruce McCullough reference from the uh, Kids in the Hall, his Doors fan character. Oh, that's <laughs> funny. Okay. Yeah, that was that was why I said that. <laughs> it's so good. Excuse me. Yeah? Do you have the uh, New Day Passion Mode record? Yeah, it's over there. But it sucks. <laughs> uh, should we do it? What else happened in October? <laughs> well... Uh, a song, the lead track from like the biggest album since Sgt. Pepper was released. Mm. And uh, the lead track off Michael Jackson's Thriller was not Beat It, not Billy Jean, not Want to Be Starting Something. Right. It is The Girl Is Mine. Paul McCartney is part of the lead track off Thriller, which is still hilarious to me. It's. Uh, again, it's probably the biggest non-Beatles record ever. Yes, you're talking about Thriller, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Not The Girl Is Mine, no. I was going to say, what? Yeah, now I understand, yeah. Yeah, full disclosure, I, I liked all the hits off that record. I did not own that record. I bought the 45 for Eat It, or my parents did. <laughs> I guess that would have been 83. So I had Eat It because the B-side was That Boy Could Dance, which was a terrible song. An original. He wasn't much to look at. 
but I did not own Thriller. You know, call me. You know what? I think I knew. I, I, I thought I knew something was kind of off with that guy. <laughs> you, you were the one. You were the only person in America who didn't own Thriller. I think most people I like. I had not as a collector like with Beatles stuff. I think I had two copies. I think I had oh, like you stole from, mine <laughs> from birthday parties. Like oh, two people got me Thriller, and I got two Born in the USA's at the same party. Oh, that's you hilarious. know because for the third grader who likes music in 1984, that's what's being purchased for you. Yeah. Um, I own Thriller. I loved Thriller. Uh, Everybody I, did. I, I've chosen to cancel Woody Allen, but I'm not. Can- and I've, I've canceled Bill Cosby. I haven't canceled Michael Jackson. I know it's awful, but I love Off the Wall probably more than Thriller. Yeah. Uh, Bad's not a terrible album. It's not, not as good as Thriller, but like all the Jackson 5 stuff. Yeah, man, like Thriller just, I mean, you remember when his hair caught on fire? <laughs> I do. It's not you know funny. what, man? I laughing. remember there was some HBO special or something about the making of whatever and I was almost in tears because they did not play any footage of him with his hair getting caught on fire. <laughs> I wanted to see that so bad. So Michael Jackson is one of those figures now in contemporary history that is A, dead, and B, you know, uh, rightfully controversial. He gone. He gone. But... It's interesting and always will be to me that the leadoff single batting in the one hole, not on the record, but the leadoff single from the biggest album of the decade has Paul McCartney on it is part of the Paul McCartney story, to be sure. And the fact that they'd go on to have those two songs in the following year, The Man and Say, 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 and then Michael would take the rights to the songs. Yep. Michael Jackson's a massive part. Paul wrote, uh, or Paul didn't write it for Michael, I don't think, but Michael covered Girlfriend on Off the Wall from London Town. So they had a relationship uh, that yeah. lasted well until the legal battles were solved. And a track off Thriller in 1982 is a big part of it. I've heard it all before, Michael. She told me that I'm her forever lover, you know, don't you remember? Well, after loving me, she said she couldn't love another. Is that what she said? Yeah, she said it. You keep dreaming. I don't believe it. No, the girl is mine. No, mine. Another track that was technically not reissued, but re-promoted in 1982 and charted in the UK at number four was Love Me Do. It was the 20th anniversary of Love Me Do. I'm saying that it's not a reissue because they kept the same catalog number. So it didn't get a new catalog number. It's the same one from 1962. I think the one in England was, but in the States, they gave it a brand new mm. uh, cover art for it. And it was the first time it had been on Capitol in America because it was previously only a single on Tolly right. uh, when it was released initially in the States. So in 82 was the debut. Or it was a reissue on Parlophone. It was a new issue on Capitol. Their first record did very well. It sold 100,000 copies. That was lovely to do. The best thing was it came to the charts in two days and everybody thought it was a fiddle because our manager's stores send in these, what is it, record things, returns, and everybody down south thought, oh, oh, he's buying them himself or he's just filling the charts. He wasn't. Well, George put out a contractually obligated release, it seems, in 1982 with his Gone Tropo, released November of 1982 as his 10th solo album. It reached 108 in the U.S., and it did not chart in the U.K. Yes, Gone Tropo's chart position of the U.S. is the number of years between Cubs World Series. (laughs) A little bouncer slowly toward Bryant. He will glove it and throw to Rizzo. It's in time, and the Chicago Cubs win the World Series. I love all George Harrison solo albums, minus most of Dark Horse, but I, I love, and okay, I'm not putting electronic sound on there, yeah. but this is not a real good record. This is a lazy record. Yeah. It's some of the worst singles to be pulled off of a uh, off of an album. The singles didn't register. I mean, there's some pleasures on this, to be sure. The track from Time Bandits is fun. Orion, 
one that Joe Brown covered at the concert for George, That's the Way It Goes, is a nice song. There's a fire that burns away the lies Manifesting in the spiritual life There's some nice stuff on here, but there's a lot of, a lot of low period George on this record. Yeah, yeah. He was, I don't think he was really feeling the music thing. There was no promotion for this record. He had no interest in promoting it, and the record label didn't know how to promote it either, so they just kind of chose to agree to not promote it. Yeah. Wake Up My Love was the single. I mean, it sounds very 80s with the keyboard stings. Very forced 80s, like he's trying to please record executives with this. Yeah. Yeah, I think the 80s were a hard decade for a lot of 60s musicians. A lot of people were kind of like, what do I do now? What the fuck is this... Everyone's put a gated snare on everything. They were making everything sound like a factory, you know, both like in the label sense and also in the uh, actual sense of this like mechanical sounds from the 80s and a lot of right angles happening in the 80s. Grace Jones and all this kind of stuff. Not to, I'm not knocking Grace Jones. I'm saying just everything became very angular in the 80s. And uh, yeah, I don't see George as like a a very square right angle person. And he was just getting into films, you know, time bandits was on cable. I believe in 1982 it was probably my favorite movie in 1982. Yeah. I watched the hell out of that on cable. So I really liked that song, uh, dream away, which was written for the film and then just added to this record to fill it out. <laughs> yeah. And you talk about George not feeling comfortable in the eighties the experience of his last album before this somewhere in England, Tony, was, uh, you know, he had to take four songs off. And among the new songs he added was called Blood from a Clone, which yeah. is commenting on the record industry. That's a bitter. I think that's the opener on Somewhere in England. There is no sense to it. Your pants to it. so intense to makes me Cover artwork change and, you know, yeah. a great song like Flying Hour was kicked off. So he'd been fighting with Warners for at least two years. And then he released this album, basically says, fuck it. I mean, listen, uh, again, I love George. Uh, you're listening to the show. You love George, everybody. But you can make an argument that I really love you in circles is the worst solo Beatle 45 of all time. It is worse than Lipstick Traces and Old Time Reloving. <laughs> Whoa. That's what Whoa. I'm saying. Uh, I mean, I slightly <laughs> disagree with that, but I, I hear you. I hear you. I like circles. I like circles. Uh, I mean, I, I had first version I actually heard was the Escher. Uh, excuse me. Yes. The Escher. Escher. Thank you. Thank you. Bernard Prudy would not be happy with your mispronunciation. <laughs> also, Dick Lester's dead. Right. <laughs> He's not. He's still alive. Breaking. At this writing, at this taping. No, but uh, yeah, so I heard the Escher version first off of a bootleg, and it, to me, it's a spooky, like, it's a spookier version with that. Friends go, friends go, psycho round and round in circles. It actually sounds more like a. Saucer Full of Secrets, uh, Pink Floyd outtake, you know, from the same year. Yes. But I, I like what he did with it. I like that he added a drum beat to it and gave it a little more life. And it, it it's spooky in its own way. It's off kilter. It's, uh, it doesn't fit this record <laughs> at all. No, <laughs> and it's not a great B-side. <laughs> he knows not speak. He speaks, does not know. And I know that 
I really love you is fascinating because George only sings in like 10% of it. That is a weird. So that was because uh, that was a single too. Yeah, this was a single. It's another 1961 song, which I believe uh, got my mind set on you is also kind of the same era, at least 61, 62. Uh, I really love you it was originally by the Stereos from Steubenville, Ohio. And yeah, there's like some monster that sings on this song. <laughs> or no, that's that's the way it goes. Yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah. they got Bowser drunk and invited him to a session. It was kind of like the first version of Got My Mind Set On You. It just didn't do as well, you know? Like, let's let's dust off this old obscurity from the early 60s that no one knows except uh, me and my record collector pals from England. Right. I feel like he was trying to dress this album up with, like, oh, this is how an album is supposed to sound. So, you know, he brings in his friends and their studio cats, and they go into Friar Park. But when they later reissued this record, my favorite song on it is the demo of mystical mystical one. one way better than the track that opens the second side i, I yeah. prefer the demo yeah Like somebody should have Johnny uh, Rick Rubin him, you know, and done the songs with just him and his guitar, just like those demos he did right before All Things Must Pass. That to me is like amazing. And yet when he came back, thanks to working with Jeff Lynn, he came back with an album that was in cloud nine, equal parts commercially massive and artistically way better than Guntrop. But whether or not cloud nine is a favorite album or not. I think you can fairly say it. He gave a fuck on cloud nine. There's yeah. effort in that album. Some of the songs have not held up as well as a lot of them have, but it gave him, you know, it was a shock when George Harrison had a massive hit in 1988. Yeah. That was funny. It was like, what? All right, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yes, he, he would come back, but in, as far as, uh, we were concerned, he went tropo, which is uh, Australian slang for being like, overheated from tropical heat or going bonkers so this is his uh jimmy buffett song as i think you've referred to it before <laughs> yeah it's jimmy buffett music uh also in november the john lennon collection was released on geffen records with love being a single released in the uk oh tj's going to look at that you've got it right there nice well I've got two. I've got the UK single of love, and in the states they issued "Happy Xmas" with "Beautiful Boy," and that uh, that's the same picture. One's a tight, and one is a wide. I don't know if it's the same exact photograph. I think it is. Kind of looks like it. Love as tight as you can make it, as dollar sign. I've been listening to mind games a little bit lately. Good for you. Good for you. A lot of people dog on that record. I like it. I like I like mind games. I dog on side two of mind games. Okay, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. But the title track to me is one of my favorite songs, which does appear on this collection. Yeah, yeah. it's a good collection. By the way, oh, I was going to say, that photograph, that was taken on December 8th, man. That was Annie an Annie Leibovitz. Leibovitz. Yeah. yeah. So, man, he's got hours to live when that goddamn picture's taken. That's uh, scary. Can I show you something a little chilling? That Because I got this album in real time. I've had yeah. on this album 
1982, my band Handgun Sticker, I got a Beetlefest. Has I stuck to this record after Beetlefest 82, which would have been August of that of that year. So I always associate the fact that it's one of his last ever photos with. I mean, again, I don't. How, how can you be pro Second Amendment and a Beetle fan? I don't fucking understand it. You know. Yeah. We don't have John because of that bullshit. Uh, this collection also differed in the UK. Slightly different running order. That oh, right. was the states finally got the worldwide version when Capital put it on CD and cassette in I think '89. But yes. it was weird seeing the early tracks on Geffen, the Capital Masters run Geffen. Then in '89, all the Geffen Masters and I think the Polydor ones too switched to uh, Capital. Yeah, I was going to say um, the U.S. did not get Happy Christmas or Stand by Me, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Those were on UK pressings only. And unlike Shave Fish, they, there's no woman is the you-know-what of the world. Yeah, they omitted that one. Yeah, I did not have this one. I had Shaved Fish. I had Shaved Fish because that's what they had at, the, at Rose Records that day. <laughs> yeah. Should have gone to Oranges or JB's <laughs> Records and Tapes. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a marvelous compilation. It's the very first compilation following his death. Yeah. And this also sold a ton of copies. Now, because of the Geffen label, it's very double fantasy heavy. What are their f- yeah. Every song but cleanup time, I think, that John yes. sang. Exactly. It's, yeah. it's, yeah. Most of side two is basically John's songs on double fantasy. Yeah. So many people yeah. rebought this to avoid having to hear kiss, kiss, kiss. Kiss, 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 kiss you can find that on the Yoko collection on Geffen. <laughs> it's it's Yoko with her arms folded. It's just, it's just like classic Ono band. It's just yeah. same cover with Yoko. <laughs> it's her sitting upside down with her legs uh, where her arms should be. <laughs> <laughs> now, a lot of you might be asking, okay, that's great, 1982. What the hell was Ringo doing in 82? Well, he was between albums, right? He had put out Stop and Smell the Roses in 81, and then Old Wave was about to come out in 83. Was it, though? <laughs> <laughs> I think in Germany and Canada. <laughs> yeah, if you lived in Germany or Canada, Old Wave was about to hit stores. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Ringo. <laughs> Poor fucking Ringo. This one's got to be for Ringo. This one's got to be for Ringo. Take the two. So I went into, I was like, okay, what's Ringo doing in 82? I mean, yeah, maybe he was like just bathing in all the royalties from 1981's hit Caveman. <laughs> anyway, we had a lot of great memories on that movie and Atuk Aluna Lana. Atuk Which he kind of was doing. He was filming this strange short film called The Cooler. Produced by MPL, right? This is a Paul yeah. McCartney thing. I'd never heard of this. Do you send it to me? I never knew about it. <laughs> I watched it twice. I was, it was... <laughs> It's great. Yeah. So you can see it on YouTube. It's called The Cooler. Put in Ringo, The Cooler. You'll find it, I'm sure. It's, it's about 12 minutes long or so. Not long enough. It's the original <laughs> Eleanor's Dream from Broad Street. <laughs> yeah. It's just with a lot of yellow in the post-production yeah. coloring. It's very... Uh, it's a very yellow film. The premise is Ringo is a prisoner in the desert, you know, and he gets thrown in the bin in the solitary confinement, and then he sings three songs from uh, Stop, <laughs> Stop and the Smell the Roses, two of which are written by Paul. Yeah, starts with private property. To me, it's the funniest thing in the world. Like this very, yeah, he sets the scene. It's awful. Ringo gets thrown into solitary and then like, do 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 Private property. It's just Don't like, go knocking it. Don't go knocking it. <laughs> yeah, man, I'm in jail. What do I got to lose? Private property. Private property. Don't go with it. You'll be breaking the law. That song is the original Baltimore Morning Show theme in 1983. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Then you get two more songs. Uh, now, hold on. Was that last song from Old Wave? 
Wasn't that last song? No, his... they're all stopping no? to smell the roses. A- okay. Attention okay. is the one. And they lead into that so heavy-handed with the drill sergeant a hundred times. Everybody wants to smile. It's basically Ringo and Caveman is an extension, this extension of that, and it's all an extension of Ringo taking photos with a young boy in a hard day's night. <laughs> Ringo, the original <laughs> Michael Jackson. <laughs> Say it ain't so. Go, Ringo. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, th- yeah. this... And it is, by the way, the same cast as the uh, dream sequence in Broad Street. Yeah, because Barbara's there. <laughs> yeah, Linda. And Linda's there. Yeah, I, I didn't really recognize Linda, but he makes out with, uh, presumably that's uh, Barbara Bach, right? I don't know, man. I would think so. I couldn't tell anyone apart. Thanks, Mo. They all looked like the women from the Robert Palmer video. You know what I mean? <laughs> They're all simply irresistible. <laughs> yes. Simply irresistible. <laughs> now, this was taken to the Cannes Film Festival in 82, man. They played oh, this in God. France. <laughs> uh, it did not win Best uh, Short at uh, in 82, but I'm glad it was entered. Uh, I'm glad Ringo went to Cannes. I'm sure he went, right? Why not? I think he lived there for a while, didn't he? Or did somewhere he? Yeah. in the south of France? Yeah, he did all the drum parts on Exile, man. <laughs> he, he totally did. Well, that was the Beatles in 82. I'm sure we probably left something else out there. I mean, they're a beloved band, as you know. That's why you're listening. That's why we're here talking about them. I, I do have a few more things I was going to spring on you. Oh, you ready for this yeah. rum springer? All right. <laughs> Rum spring me, please. <laughs> Not to be confused with the hit Rump Shaker. Uh, so, Tony, in 1982, I got to find these when I show you. Hold on. Okay. In 1982, there were a couple of very weird Beatles 45s that came out. And of the first collection, I can't find the... Th- oh, here it is. They released flexi discs at Sam Goody and Music wow. Man that are red, white, and blue. <laughs> it's got the Beatles collection on the back. These are compliments of Musicland. I got these at the Musicland at Water Tower. Oh, that's awesome. I remember that. That's where I bought my Falco Rock Me Amadeus single. Yeah, man. That's, it's a great <laughs> record store. It, I mean, long gone in Water Tower, but... This one is the Beatles 62 to 66. It has all my loving and you got to hide your love away. Nice. The blue one is 67 to 70 and it's got magical mystery tour and here comes the sun. Huh. Then there's a white one that mm. has uh, Rocky Raccoon and why don't we do it in the road? Awesome. These flexi discs, which Two are random. Paul songs. Interesting. Isn't Interesting. that wild? Those are cool, man. Yeah. Aren't Have those you ever great? looked those up on Discogs to see what they're about? I have. They're a little more common than I thought because they were available at Sam Goody's all over the East Coast, too. Sure. So They're like that McDonald's record that came out in the Sunday paper. <laughs> Go with me. Three, four. <laughs> Big Mac filet of fish and quarter corner with some cheese and nice and coconut. Ah, too bad. <laughs> no, it's something fries. about a vaccine weed and stuff. <laughs> Fire. <laughs> <laughs> it's the, the original and the last little thing i have from 82 collectible records which released a lot of oldies i only have three of these but they released 45s of all the star club songs in picture sleeves oh man. and i bought a few of them at the time like this one as i saw her standing there and can't help it blue angel i don't know what that song is But they're all in these collectible records. You know, there's some oh, that's pink awesome. stuff on this label. Yeah, I love that. You've got the big, the, the jukebox hole, and then the label was the uh, British Union Jack there. That's awesome. This one is Where Have You Been All My Life with Mr. Moonlight. These are all in great shape. I bought them in the mid-80s, listened to them like once or twice. But yeah, these are all also 82. It should have the German flag, though, don't you think, TJ? I don't buy records with German <laughs> flags, son. Fair. Fair. <laughs> 
So Tony, that's a lot of Beatles stuff. There is a couple other random this these weird kind of bootlegs called Timeless One and Timeless Two, which are picture discs. One's a forty-five. Oh wow! That are just interviews. This one's actually from eighty-three, but this one's eighty-two here. Just a picture disc with interviews, that's cool. making a hard day's night, that kind of stuff. Yeah, 82 is one of the most prolific years for Beatle releases, and it's stunning to say that. But 12 years later, think of all that product from the solo Beatles and the the American arm of their record company. It's wild. Yeah, man. Yeah, 82 is a rather magical summer for me, and I'll tell you why. Tell me why. I was seven years old, and school just let out, and we were kind of between babysitters. And so my dad was a school teacher and he started freelancing during the summer. He would do these things where he would go to like construction sites and be like an interpreter between the English speaking contractors and then the workers. And I, sometimes I go on these runs with him in these old buildings and downtown and all this stuff. And it was, it was pretty kooky, but, and then my mom did like admin stuff. I forget where at this point in 82, I was basically left alone in the apartment. We had an apartment in Addison across from the post office and I didn't really see, I I never saw my friends in the summer. Uh, I was an only child and all my friends lived in houses that were kind of like too far to walk and they didn't trust me to have a key just yet. So I was not a latchkey kid, but what they did give me was just the freedom to have the whole apartment to myself at age seven for the entire summer. And I would just sit in my underoos. This is a Tom Cruise film. (laughs) His first, I think. It really was, yeah. (laughs) I cranked the AC. We had a wall unit, you know. The AC was always on max. Uh, We had the the 19-inch Zenith, the color TV in the living room, and I would watch WFLD TV until the shows got boring and the cartoons started in the afternoon. So I spent most middays listening in my parents' bedroom to WLS, 95 FM. And all those songs that we've mentioned already were on the radio. And that was my summer, was playing with my Han Solo Hoth guy and my Luke Skywalker guy. And meanwhile, in the background, it's Steppin' Out, Joe Jackson, one of my favorite songs. Me too. Hurts So Good, John uh-huh. Cougar. I loved Hurts So Good. I loved that more than Jack and Diane. I loved all the magic songs. Steve Miller, Abracadabra, you mentioned. But also America, You Can Do Magic. Yeah. (laughs) With the heart of stone. Uh, also, another one I associated with magic was Alan Parsons' project "Eye in the Sky," which yes. I know is not your favorite, right? No, it 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 is. I love it. I joke about it because it goes flat. Don't try turning tables instead. That makes me laugh hearing him off key in there. You think you got your chances before? <laughs> Get Back Engineer, Alan Parsons. (laughs) Exactly. Had a hit in 82. One of the reasons I love it is, you know, if you had the album, you heard the intro to that is the intro the Bulls wound up using uh, (laughs) at the stadium. That's that serious is the intro to um, Eye in the Sky. So anytime I hear one of these songs, and there's so many more, we can list, we can just list these songs, but they take me back to that very special summer where I don't know, I was just on my own and like the world was mine and it was just this wonderful thing. I, I have no idea what I ate. You know what I mean? Like, what did I eat for lunch? I have no <laughs> idea. But I could tell you like Hostess honey uh honey buns. No, we didn't play Honey Buns. Okay, we were like right. Dolly Madison. Like we got zingers okay. and stuff like that. Ten zingers, nine zingers, eight yummy zingers. Seven zingers, six zingers, five. <laughs> but until like 2 p.m. And like, I, actually, I didn't care for Mighty Mouse. So I probably waited till 2.30 and stuff when Flintstones came on. I felt like that summer really shaped 
who I was as a person, like my ability to be independent and enjoy being alone with myself. And like, that's why I've been able to drive across the country by myself. Seriously, like I've probably done that 15 times and I fucking love it, man. Yeah. I love it. I loved that freedom and that independence. I don't know. There's something magical about 82 for me. And any of those songs take me back there. Even the nights are better, TJ. Yeah, now that we're here together, Tony, I love that so much. I mean, we had a very different experience in 82 where I was just, I was listening to the radio a lot, WLS. I was listening to, I'm pretty sure B96 in its infancy was doing Top 40 as well. So we listened to B96 before B96 became... The killer bee stings them. You know, kind of dance music, yeah, dance pop in the early eighties and all that, yeah, yeah. I'm no disrespect to that, but this is when it was like top forty, and we were listening to that a ton. And I would only child too. My dad worked. My mom would just smoke cigarettes with my grandmother. My my grandmother lived with us. They just smoke and let me play what I wanted to as an only child. And That's I'd cool. listen to the radio after school as well. I was a Channel Nine house, so I was watching. Ah. There was thirty two and nine. What was nine playing? Yeah, I was strictly 32, really. Well, I watched 32 for like the Brady Bunch at four, 430. Yeah. Like I yeah. watched that early, but then at five, it was like one day at a time, good times, the Jeffersons that summer, like Alice or Barney Miller, like oh, that yeah. block is, because yeah. then WKRP a year or two later was on at 530 and everything. KRP also went off the air in 1982 and the last Crazy. Uh, episode in the spring ranked, no, the last new episode ranked number seven of the ratings, but CBS, which hated WKRP, had already canceled it by then, uh, but it was ascending in the ratings, but that was one of the hits of 82 was they released the Steve Carlisle, the single version of the WKRP theme. Baby, if you've ever wondered Wondered whatever became of me I'm living on the air in Cincinnati Cincinnati WKRP I would have a thing with my dad where once a week he'd buy me a 45 at Downtown Records, which is our local record store, a walk from our house. There was a Haagen-Dazs and a Downtown Records. And Uh. it was like, I could get a 45 once a week or this summer of 82, or I could get an album a month. And my dad, who did okay in the 80s, and I was a spoiled only child, did both, right? I got a 45 a week, then at the end of the month, he'd say, all right, what album do you want? And that's, that's awesome. how I kind of build the collection. And Tony, those same songs, all the songs from 82 that I love and connect with are from the spring, summer, and fall, that age when I was just eating ice cream, catching fireflies with my father, and walking <laughs> to downtown records. My favorite songs from that summer, Someday, Someway. Someday. Somebody's baby. She's gonna be somebody's only light. Gonna shine tonight. Only the Lonely by the Motels, one of my all-time favorites. It's like I told you, only the lonely can play. Stepping out by Joe Jackson. Yeah. Donald Fagan, way before I cared about Steely Dan. IGY, I just loved it. Was always so long. <laughs> Abracadabra, Paper Late, the one Genesis song I love. Hurt So Good, Jack and Diane, Eye of the Tiger was that May of 82, Tony. Yeah, man. Uh, Vacation by the Go-Go's. Kenny Rogers Roasters, Love Will Turn You Around from yes. Six Pack was June of that year, my man. They played that. I remember that as a current. Yeah. Well, and your Even the Nights Are Better is my hard to say I'm sorry. Oh, that's like, yeah, Chicago. Uh-huh. Yeah. Also in that world, the Joe Cocker, Jennifer Warren's Up Where We Belong. An <laughs> officer and a motherfucking yeah. gentleman. Love up where we belong. 
written by Buffy St. Marie, who is uh, an amazing songwriter. I love Buffy. Hi, Buffy. Please listen. <laughs> Hi, Buffy. Uh, Toto. We're leaving out Toto with Rosanna. And Africa, of course. But Rosanna, yeah. Rosanna was the one that had the Purdy Shuffle, or Porcaro called it something else. It was like a combination of the Purdy Shuffle and the Bo Diddley beat or something like that. Yeah, it's great drumming. Uh, Half a Toto played on Thriller. That was a right. big time for Toto. So many great songs on there. I have two cassettes that I've, I've sent a picture to you and Casey that I made twice from my 45s called The Hits of 82. It's chronological. I made it in 1989. Then I remastered it from CD in 1993. But I've got two 90-minute tapes of all the hits chronologically. Sounds of the 80s is not sold in stores. So call now to get the 80s hottest hits. And again, of course, you add into these great songs things like Take It Away, the Beatles stuff that was out that year. Are there any forgotten songs from 82 you want to throw out at me? I've got two that nobody remembers that I love, and I want to see if you have any <laughs> forgotten 80s tunes. I don't have anything I forgot. I've got some stuff that I discovered later in my life that I didn't hear in 82. Okay. But uh, what do you got? Two songs. One of them, I don't know why I heard this, but it came out in June of 82 it was the comeback album for Gary U.S. Bonds, and it was produced by Springsteen and his band. He has okay. a track called Out of Work that basically protests Reagan-era economics, backed <laughs> by the E Street Band and Clarence Clemens doing a, a oh, saxophone awesome. solo, and Gary U.S. Bonds singing. It was a forgotten tune called Out of Work that I've always loved. And there's a random, I'm not a huge Santana fan. I mean, unless they're with Rob Thomas. Thank you. <laughs> um, but there's a forgotten Santana song that I initially heard on SCTV by a Canadian band called the Ian Thomas Band. Oh. And the, <laughs> the version they played in the States was by Santana. And it's called Hold On from 1982. And it just got kind of a cool, it's like a fusion Santana tune with an 80s melody and production that I always like. Hold on, nothing's the same. No, man, I don't, I don't know either of those. Okay. I'm sure they didn't play those on WLS, and I missed, yeah, I missed those. Later in life, as a teenager and stuff, I would discover uh, punk rock, and then, well, the next year, I would get into things like, uh, we didn't call it hip-hop yet, we called it breakdancing music, but uh, The Message by Grandmaster Flash came yes. out in 82. Broken glass everywhere, people pissing on the stage, you know they just don't care. I can't take the smell, can't take the noise, got no money to move out, I guess I got no choice. Rats in the front room, roaches in the back, junkies in the alley with the baseball bat. I tried to get away, but I couldn't get far, cause a man with the touch truck repossessed my car. Don't push me, cause I'm close to the edge. I'm trying not to lose my head. <laughs> it's like a jungle sometimes. It makes me wonder how I keep from going under. Missed Fuck, that. I left it off my list. <laughs> WLS didn't play that one. I had the 45 because oh, they bro broken you, glass man. everywhere, people, and then there was a glass sound effect on the yeah. stage like they just don't care. They didn't say pissing. Yeah, man. Yeah, I, I really got into him. Uh, in fact, his version of it, there's a song called uh, Step Off that I really liked by him, but that wasn't 82. But uh, I got into like misfits and stuff. So Walk Among Us came out in 82. Well, I turned into a mushroom. Oh, I can't even call my name. Oh. I got into Black Flag. TV Party came out in 82. We're gonna have a TV party tonight. Bands like The Fall with Hex Induction Hour. Flipper, the generic record. 
and uh, the Descendants, I should say, because they uh, they mentioned the Beatles in Milo Goes to College. Those were some things that came out in 82 that I discovered later in life. But uh, 82 was a pretty damn good year, man. Pretty damn good year. For music, at least. Dude, we didn't mention Billy Joel's Nylon Curtain is 82. Maneater. <laughs> and yeah, man, the H2O album gets Hall of Oates staring at each other sweating. <laughs> I just want to be very clear. It's Let's Get Physical come to life, also 82. Also 82, right. Bill Murray sang that on the first episode of Letterman. Cheers debuted in 82. New Heart debuted in 82. Oh, yeah, it was TV. just a very fertile year that felt like it was about to define an era, and in some ways it did. Some of the, the cultural stuff, we mentioned E.T. and all that. By the way, we didn't mention on this episode another song from 82 where your guy, Neil Diamond, wrote a song for the film E.T. They didn't use it, and then on the 45, it was called um, Heartlight, inspired by the movie E.T. because it wasn't used in it. <laughs> I love stories like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's, I like that song. And that was a good song. Turn on your heart light. Let it shine wherever you go. And the Kenny Loggins had an album called Heartlight in 1982. It was a song. The album was called High Adventure. But keep going. Where he had a duet with Steve Perry that has helped me out with this. We've talked about this, I'm sure. The least rock and roll, rock and roll song ever made. Oh, yeah. No rock song rocks less hard than the Kenny Loggins, Steve Perry. <laughs> oh my God, Asia. Uh, Tony and I and producer Casey are in agreement. There's one band better than the Beatles and it's Asia. And everybody knows this and damn Yankees came close. I still go Beatles over damn Yankees, but just because of Ray Walston, that's a double reference. Was anybody happy? But Asia had that, that album that year uh, with uh, Heat of the Moment. Yeah, yeah. All those guys, those Totos and Pocos and all those fucking bands, they were fucking sitting pretty fat and pretty in, in 82, man. 38 Special as well, Caught Up in You. I love Caught Up in You. A great song. Eddie Money. Yeah, Eddie Money. I think I'm in love. It's good. Buddy, the novelty songs. Pac-Man Pac Fever. Buckner and Garcia. Bill Buckner and Garcia. <laughs> that's right. But that's pre-ball going through his legs, right? Was yeah, that 86? when he was still a hero. Yeah, 86 right. is when he, yeah, it was the... It's the Mets. Oh, they turned yeah. on Bill Buckner in Boston. Oh, yeah. Death threats. Death yeah. threats. Uh, another novelty song from that year uh, that I love is Bob and Doug McKenzie from oh, yeah. the film Strange Brew, Take Off. Okay, everyone. This record was my idea. Get out. It was. You're lying. Hosehead here just sort of rid on my coattails. Why are you doing this? It was our idea together, right? Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. We agreed to, to say that, but oh, take off. Take off through the great white north. Take off. It's a beauty way to go. Take off through the great white north. Decent singing, eh? Yeah. Yeah, he's good. Strange Brew was a, another movie I watched on cable that I quite liked. I just thought I didn't get drunk humor. I just thought it was funny their dog could fly. And the hockey scene always I loved because it was so strange. So funny. <laughs> Stray cat strut. I wish I could be as carefree and wild, but I got cat class and I got cat style. Hungry like a wolf. You know. Yeah. Tainted Love by Soft Cell. Tainted Love, Soft Cell, the, a cover, a cover, but bringing that song back into the spotlight. Oh, Tainted Love. 
Billy Squire, Everybody Wants You. <laughs> Great riff in that, yeah. Everybody Wants You. Yeah, man. Laura Branigan, Gloria, sung on the on an episode of Chips. Uh, Chips? She sang it on, with that might have had the cousins. I don't know if it was... Uh, was I it think Ponch Eric, and John? Well, yeah, Eric. It was okay. Eric because Eric Estrada was trying to be a singer that year too. Man, it was one of those. Right, right, they brought right, on right. Laura Branigan to try and sell Eric Estrada's singing career. And we are the Cadillac Foxes. Did she sing it by a bu- where did she sing it? I want to say like it, was the fucking, it was the fucking punk rock episode of Chips, which is amazing. You got to see it. Uh, who, what's his name from Raising Arizona's in it? He plays one of the punks and he like throws a bass guitar off a roof and it hits a car and causes a <laughs> causes like one of those mayhem fucking crashes. It's amazing. You got to see the punk rock episode of Chips, 1982. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> Speaking of uh, Laura Branigan, Linda Rodson had a huge hit with Get Closer that year. Fuck, man. It was a good year. It was a very good year. (laughs) I mean, it's so... uh, Maybe people who didn't live through it don't quite understand this, Tony, but and you said it so eloquently at the top of the show. It's the last year of the 70s, is 1982. Pretty much, yeah, man. It's what killed Marshall Crenshaw's career. Marshall Crenshaw Mm. was trapped in another era. And the next follow-up albums, as we've talked about on the show, never quite, never quite could succeed because he's going up against this kind of Phil Collins world. You know, everything felt, I mentioned Paper Lake. That's the one Genesis song I love, 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 because I love me some Earth, Wind, and Motherfucking Fire. So Earth, Wind, and Fire plus, uh, oh, that's right. You've had chats online about, uh, oh, thank you to all of our Discord contributors, by the way. Come join us. Hang out with us on Discord. Sometimes we hang out and post snarky things. We do, man. We do. Well, hey, man, thanks for listening to this. It's obviously, it's probably a two-parter here. And uh, get in your time machines, drive that 88 miles an hour, and uh, set it for 1982 and see what all the fuss is about. It was a pretty good damn stupid year for music, at least. Was Dabney Coleman's Buffalo Bill 82 or earlier? Remember That's that a show? good question. I do remember it. It's a great show. I want to say that was 83, but I could be very, I mean, I could be wrong. Everything blends. 82 and 83 blend for me. Okay. Because uh, it was before we moved. We moved in 84. So to me, 84 is this point when like the world changed for me. Because of Van Halen. Diver Down, 1982. <laughs> 82, that's right. Pretty Woman. The cover yeah. of Pretty Woman. Great Intruder. cover. Intruder. I, I, Intruder is one of my favorite uh, Van Halen moments. Yeah. Yeah. Great albums in 82. And then there's Gone Trapo. <laughs> Eating a fruit bat. All right. <laughs> I got one last thing. This is yeah. your Beatle thought for the day. TJ, if you added an S to the end of the Beatles, they would be the Beatless. <laughs> Untitled Beatles podcast. Like and subscribe. And one last gift for everybody who made it to the end of this 1982 journey. Nobody really asked for this, but after last week's rapturous response to our Beatles movie medley 2022 remix, we here at the Untitled Beatles podcast felt it had to be done. The alternate Beatles movie medley, created by the inimitable Tony Mendoza. Take it, Tony. Say that I've got nobody but you But as from today, well, I do road hard Well, you can penetrate any place you go Yes, 
you can penetrate any place you go. Yeah. 